This is the Podfecta Podcast, the official podcast of the Podfecta Podcasting Conference. I'm David Hooper. I'm going to play a panel for you from the Podfecta Nashville 2018 event. I'm going to call it the editor and production panel, but it's really about doing podcasts for other people. Of course, if you do a podcast for yourself, there's a lot of great info here, especially on editing and production. I've got three different panelists, three different perspectives for you. Steve Stewart, he's an independent podcast editor. He does a lot of work within the financial podcasting space. Afford Anything by Paula Pant. Masters of Money with PT Money. Stacking Benjamin Show, another podcast outside of the financial space that he's done that you might have heard of. Order of Man. Lucas Hendrickson, he's a journalist. He's host of the Jack Daniels Around the Barrel podcast. I'm talking Jack Daniels, the company, not the guy. The Jack Daniels. We go back a long way, almost 20 years. I knew Lucas when we were both in the music industry. He's got a background in written journalism, which colors his perspective. Anthony Luciani, he's from Five Own Productions. He's edited a lot of big podcasts for networks as well as independents. So he has that perspective. This is the editing and production panel of Podfected Nashville 2018. Steve Stewart, you guys know Steve Stewart. Steve Stewart is the man when it comes to editing, and I'll let him... Oh, we got a standing ovation. That's the first one. <laughs> it's working, boy. Let's talk about what the differences are maybe between somebody like Jen, we'll start here, who is doing her own thing and she does whatever she wants to within reason. She's got clients too, the people, we the people. And you guys have a different type of client. So let's talk about that and what you're doing and what you're seeing as far as what's working with podcasts that are getting the kind of attention that maybe Jen or some of the other guys are? Uh, yeah, so the I guess to give a little filler, the way I got started is I'm, a, I'm actually just a, I'm a sound engineer. I've been a sound engineer for about 12, 13 years now, so that's why I, I became an editor, and it just is all very natural. And, and in the music world, you can easily relate this all over to podcasting. And so essentially what I do is there isn't really a wrong podcast for me to edit. Honestly, like, if you enjoy the product that I give you, I'm going to give you a product that, that A, sounds good. It's going to be delivered on time. And, uh, and you trust what I have to say to fill it in, to narrow in the gaps as far as musical timing and dialogue, which is, I think, for me, as a set, from a sound perspective, the most important thing is understanding and keeping the voice on top of your show at all times. I'm not necessarily going to be on, I'll be honest, I'm not going to be the kind of person that would tell you how to fill in the story or the gaps. I have people that do that and they're better at it than me, so I leave it to them. But I will get, keep the voice on top and keep whatever story you're telling that make sure that when those earbuds are in the ears of your listeners, they will understand every single word. And that, to me... Is that's that's kind of how I treat my job. Yeah. Me next. Okay. Um, first, disclaimer: copy. Um, the opinions expressed by Lucas Hendrickson do not at all reflect the positions of Brown Foreman Inc. or the Jack Daniel Distillery. Your friends at Jack Daniels remind you to drink responsibly. Jack Daniels and Old Number Seven are trademarks. Copyright 2018, Jack Daniels. Uh, yeah, again, my name's Lucas Hendrickson. I got involved um, in this after I'm an overnight podcasting success in that it took me about 15 years to get this job. I've been hanging around the folks at um, Dive and Mall Lawrence and Siegenthaler. They added the Siegenthaler a couple of years ago. Uh, working with a friend and with the Jack Daniels in an, uh, Invitational Barbecue Cook-Off for the last 
15 years or so. So I was around the brand, around those folks. They got to know me doing that. And also uh, my other gig is as senior info dispenser at Yazoo Brewing Company. So I literally make most of my living talking about booze made in Tennessee. Um, I'm not going to complain about that. But also have been a, a writer and editor and large land mammal in Nashville for more than a quarter century. I've been a full-time storyteller for a long, long time. And this opportunity to get involved with Jack Daniels, uh, telling its story in a, a podcast called Around the Barrel with Jack Daniels, where our sixth episode will drop on Monday. Started about six months ago. Got a fantastic... I'm, I'm merely the host, the writer, and a little editorial direction on that. There's a fantastic team that I get to work with, including Mr. Clark Bruckner over here, who's uh, running the sound for us, but has also has been a fantastic editor and sounding board for what we want to do. We're clients of a client of a client, uh, as far as that goes, but they've given us a tremendous amount of leeway They'll pick this topic, but we'll write the script and we'll we'll do the interviews and we'll voice it uh, and and put it together that way. And they, we run it up the chain, and that comes back down. We make some edits. We run it back up the chain again, um, and then put it out there. So um, you know what uh, David was saying you know, leading into this is that you know finding a way to make money uh, doing podcasts. No, we're we're making podcasts using other people's money right now. Um, but it's, you know, Jack Daniels is a 150 year old brand, uh, and has a ton of stories to, to tell. And this is a new format for them. And they're still trying to figure it out. We're still trying to figure it out. We're in the growing pains of season one. We just got a provisional green light for season two. So we're very excited about that. So it, this has been a, a different thing for me as well. I spent most of my career as a journalist telling other people's stories. Now I'm doing it on the brand side, uh, but still having a lot of fun doing it. You're going to make me follow him? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I have one question for you. How do you find sponsors? No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't go there. You know, I, I, real quick, I just want to say this This is fantastic. I haven't been to a really small pod, a, you know, organized pod camp or pod fest thing like this in a while. And, I just love the diversity we have in the room here, and of the speakers as well. You know, we had Jeff Sanders earlier today, and he was talking a lot about sponsorship models. We had the NPR people here who are basically making money telling stories and developing this, this you know, very rich medium storytelling. We had Jeff Briney come and talk about how she's getting paid by her listeners. And now you're bookended by two editors basically here, so I might be the one. Thank God for editors. Everyone yeah. needs them. Don't ever, <laughs> don't ever think whether you're a print reporter, whether you're an audio guy, that you do not need an editor. Yes, it's great that everyone can fire up their computer, put on a microphone in front of it, and do a podcast, but you always need eyes and ears on your product. End of story. Awesome. I wasn't looking for that, but thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's the nicest thing everybody, anybody's ever said to a sound guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm used I'll to beer bottles being just hucked yeah. at the end of the room saying, fix it. So am I, but in a completely different context. <laughs> I've never had that, thank goodness. <laughs> I'll tell my story real quick, and then we got to see where we're going to take this thing because we got to give these people some something to take home with them. Uh, started a podcast in 2010 because I wanted to help build my financial coaching business. Worked on the whole business for almost a decade until it eventually died. The reason why it died was because I quit a day job, worked on it full, worked on the financial coaching for over a year straight, and it just did this. But then I was involved with this community of other financial bloggers, and they knew me as the financial blogger who had a podcast. I was always going to the conferences with them and encouraging them to start podcasts. And one of them said, hey, Steve, we just want to hit record where you do the rest. I'm like, well, sure. My business is doing this right now. I could, I've got the time. I've got the expertise. I can help you out. No problem. i got to charge you money. They're like, sure, no problem. As soon as that community heard that I could do this, they're all like, oh, you can pay somebody to edit your show? I know, Steve. I'll do that. Within six months... 
I kid you not, within six months, I had to give everything else up because that's all I could do. Now, I only tell you that story because, A, people want to know the story, but, B, it's not typical, but it also tells you the reason why I'm here where I am today in such a short period of time is because there's a long history of developing relationships with a community that led to, all of a sudden, Steve Stewart is a podcast editor? If you said that to me three years ago, I would have said, you're crazy. You never know what you can do for money, and uh, so we've got a couple guys. You're... That's not an Ashley Madison ad. <laughs> I say, was that David Hooper Yet. coming out of me? Yeah, I just love, I love how all these, all these different people are making money from podcasting. I don't want you to think that you're going to make it directly from your podcast. Just remember, that's always going to be a piece of your brand. Yeah, and just like, so basically like a day in the life for what we do. So our company, we're actually, Five Ohm is based out of uh, New York City. And how we started was we were a bunch of sound guys that got sick of freelancing and hunting down paychecks, basically. So we decided, well, we're just going to start a company then. And so that's what we did so that we could get paid on time and then also provide overtime for other workers coming into the city. And then so... What my primary job is, is I schedule engineers to go to places, whether they're WeWorks, apartments, uh, conference rooms, wherever, to schedule an engineer for somebody that does have a podcast. Um, That engineer will be listening in the entire time, taking notes, meticulous notes, because, uh, which is honestly the most important thing in in our editing process, is I I drill in the note structure of how he's going to do that. He sends it over to me. I go in, first thing I do is I delete everything my engineer told me to. Honestly, sometimes I won't even listen to it because I trust him. And uh, it's a process that we started creating. And then I get an overall mix to it. I send it to the uh, to whosoever show it is. They give me more edit notes if need be, but nine out of ten times, it's pretty solid. And then we'll also go in and kind of, uh, if they need some musical direction, if they need some commentary on top, we'll then go back in and schedule those things as well. Yeah. So, so your editing is very high-level production. We, we try to, yeah. yeah, we try to, yeah. I mean, with, with um, I mean, what, what really helps us is having a full-time engineer, you know, and then having a part-time producer, I'll say, depending on availability. So the producer in the room, we've learned recently that not always the engineer and the producer can be the same person, which took a while. It's two very different trained people because you need somebody in the room to say, Hey, actually, let's take that again. Hey, actually, you should say this more naturally. Hey, actually, I'm going to write this down and we're going to script it instead. You know what I mean? So that way, it could give the editor or the engineer multiple different takes from different angles to, depending on the approach of the show. You know, so. Let me bring the question to you next. Now, when you're recording your show, are you getting direction from somebody like that? Are they telling you what to do? Or are you just hitting record and going? We usually have... Um We've had several prep meetings. Then there's always a prep document that's passed around among the, the team here in Nashville. Um, as far as the interviews that we've done, we've done a handful down in Lynchburg at, at, on site at the Jack Daniels Distillery, uh, as well as literally across the way over here at the uh, Clark Studio with Relationary Marketing over at the, um, uh, at the EC. So we've, we've kept it you know, to a pretty small team. I'm incredibly lucky in that I've got a technical producer in Clark who is also a, f- a fantastic uh, collaborative partner when we're doing voiceovers and scripts. And um, he gets maybe not the best, but uh, the, the better out of me uh, in kind of because I'll, I'll script the intro and, and we'll, we'll change some things around. Um, and then um, Clark Bryant, uh, Chuck Bryant, are uh, there. It's always put them together it's the same it's, thing, yeah. it's chark basically yeah, um, it's- <laughs> but he's kind of acting as the 
um, executive producer, if you will, working with the DBLS here in town, um, uh, working uh, with the digital team at Brown Foreman and based in Louisville, um, kind of, you know, tracking the legal issues that come up as part of working with a spirits brand, um, the, the things we can and cannot talk about, um, names we can't mention, things like that. Um, he will deal with all of that before it ever comes to me from a scripting standpoint. So I, we've, we've all got a pretty good idea about what we can and can't touch um, in the creation of the show. And then as far as you know, pr- show production, earlier this week we did an um, interview with a, a country artist who has a great relationship with the, with the distillery named Chase Rice. So we did that interview here. Um, we'll go through a rough cut on that. I'll take, take that and kind of you know, trim out the stuff that I know that I don't want there in the narrative of that. Uh, we'll pass it up and down to the editors that are involved with that. I'll come in, write an intro. We'll do a voiceover later on. We'll do any any tags that we need to do uh, to talk about you know the legal side of things. We're playing around with you know calls to action at the beginnings of the show to say, hey, please rate, review, subscribe, that kind of stuff. Um, making those personalized as well before jumping into the show, um, and then I'm able to kind of just hand it over and listen to some stuff. You know, when we get a, a rough mix and give my thumbs up, and then we'll all give the thumbs up and we'll post it. So it has been a surprisingly uh, fluid uh, process, th- considering it's a huge multinational corporation that we're working with. Uh, they seem to have been fairly hands-off with us so far um, in a good way. Um, like I said, we're provisionally greenlit, greenlit for season two. That might change. Um, but it, we've been able to put together a, a, a pretty decent workflow, um, and we've you know put out all our episodes every two weeks. So, so far, so far. Couple lessons I'm hearing from talk, from talking to you two that uh, you might be takeaways here. How many of you guys have somebody that you're either outsourcing part of your work to, or you have a co-host that you're working with that's helping you to to develop your content? Okay, so there's only a few of you. The rest of you are on your own, aren't you? Okay, it's pretty hard doing it all by yourself, but you're gonna have to have a, a, a think about going forward in the future. When this thing grows, just like Jen Briney was talking about, it was pretty much something she was doing on her own. When it got to a point where she needed to grow it to something bigger, she had to hire other people. She had to. So always keep that in mind, too. Systems are very helpful. These guys already have systems in place. Audio engineering, you're getting feedback after the work is done. You're getting, uh, you know, you're, you're walking in with a plan. You already know a plan. So outlines, obviously, you want to have some kind of an outline. You could have questions written up for the guests you might be interviewing, but... Don't worry about going off off script. If you get into something really good, go there. Make the content good. But yeah, always, always being organized. Have a plan. Remember, you can always go back and edit out crap. You'll hear me use the word crap a lot because that's what's in it. A lot of podcasts have crap in there to get rid of the crap, make it nice and polished and shiny. It's beautiful. And that's what, that's what we do. Yeah. We take and, out the crap. And I'd also suggest the biggest thing, too, is honestly just understanding. I was actually talking to another sound guy about this earlier today. And uh, understanding the tools, with, like v- speaking very specifically about sound. That's just how my brain goes. But understanding there's a lot of tools out there and there's a lot of software out there. There's very specific tools that have been in, around in the sound world for so long that they are there there's a structure that you can start to follow and rules you can start to follow but before you start diving into those tools understand how to use them because there there is a chance that you can make things worse you know understanding what an EQ is first of all like and if you don't you can you can go in you can google what is a sound EQ how do i use it and then you can even simulate listening to certain frequencies 
to understanding, all right, well, where does my voice live within a sound EQ range? You know what I mean? What is a compressor? Go in, it, uh, what, is a, what is the online uh, school thing? Uh, Linda, yeah, Linda. I've even, I've even gone back, and I'm, I'm a Pro Tools guy, and I've been on Pro Tools for a long time, but there's still things that I just forget, so I just have a Linda account on standby because I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I, don't I need to remember what the hotkey is for this. So, I mean, there's valuable resources, but just understand the simple tools to make it better, but just be careful because if you get stuck in that world too long, you could potentially make things a little bit more worse for you. I'm going to echo that thing on lynda.com. Um, how many, any, anybody has used lynda.com? Um, the people who haven't used it, are you worried about the cost? Do you have a Nashville public library card? You can get a free lynda.com account with your Nashville public library card. So you can get the, to their entire database of Online instruction, that's, that was my, one of my since broken resolutions for 2018, um, is to do more tech, you know, self-paced tech skill building through lynda.com. So, uh, yes, they, they, this is what they do. It's a LinkedIn company. So again, you know, you get your LinkedIn stuff, uh, uh, um, squared away as well. Uh, but yes, you can get a free lynda.com account with your Nashville Public Library card. That's interesting. I've never actually used Linda. I've heard all about it. So when you're looking up to find the resources to learn from, how do you filter through the ones that – how do you find the ones that are worth spending time? I mean, we can all go to YouTube. Yeah. And you can find videos from 2012 about using FeedBurner. I recommend you don't. Okay? So how do you filter through and get the good stuff? How do you, how do you tell that this one is a good one worth They watching? do a fantastic job of kind of um – uh, making sure that they say the published on date for all of their for all of their content and and there can be multiple you know uh, courses that they did for various versions of pro tools or audition or final draft or whatever you're working in so just find the thing that's most recent and, or or the piece of software that you own uh and and go along that line but they i mean it's it's not user generated content. Those people are employed by Lynda.com are experts in their field, and they're creating you know almost well, and in a lot of ways, co- college level uh, online courses, distance learning kind of things in that. So uh, it's a much it seems to be a much hello test um, a lot more solid uh, kind of learning platform than randomly jumping on YouTube. It's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And um, does anybody have a Problem like it is. It, it, who feels like they're a slow editor? Does anyone like public like working on their shows? They feel like they're kind of slow and kind of looking to really slow. speed things up. I mean, and, and are these people usually somebody that is there? If there's another person in the room, one suggestion to keep that up is just have that friend there looking. Like if you're recording on a Zoom or your computer, just look at the time code. Be like, this happened at this time. This happened at this time. Or another actual good piece of advice was at one of Clark's meetup, and it was a comedian talking, and he was like tap the microphone really hard. I was like, that's an interesting idea because you'll see the spike in the waveform. You know what I mean? So you can know that that's a note that you need to come back to. You know what I mean? Understanding what's happening in the process and the mistakes that are happening in process of the recording will save you so much more time later on because you're not going to be... I mean, to every one hour of episode usually takes me, depending on what the show and the structure is, I I usually build a one to three, one to four ratio in there. So to one hour of content, it's going to take me three to four hours to get it all the way through. So just keep that in mind. If you have a, a friend, husband, wife, kid, homework assignment, five bucks for every time I, I curse kid. You know what I mean? And write down the time code, something like that. You know what I mean? So let's turn this back on Steve now. Um, because you talked about it. 
you know, you, you're working with clients, as if I'm gathering this right, you're working with clients in the space that you had a lot of experience in to start with. So you can speak their language in the middle of trying to help them craft their content. Craft content. They'll pitch there. Um, yeah. Um, what are the what are the the advantages of that, and what are the pitfalls of that when you're trying to perhaps be hands off sometimes and trying to you know say this is your this is your gig. I'm merely just your editor. I'm your 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 conveyor belt to getting that 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 product finished. The pitfalls you're asking? Either one or both. Uh, let's see the pitfalls. Uh, when you have one of your friends who don't pay you on time, okay, that's always a, that's always a problem. Uh, the other pitfalls would be if you're not clear on what the, this is all. You know, I'm doing this, you know, whenever it's it fits me. You know, they send me the files and I do it when I can get to it. Of course, there's a turnaround time and all that stuff. But I might be doing it at 6 a.m. I might be doing it 11 p.m. Uh, my client may not be available when I have a question for them. So the pitfalls is I may not be able to get a response right away for a question, and I might delete something they wanted to keep in. For the most part, I don't. But uh, I've, t- I've had two situations now where I've deleted something that my clients have wanted to kept kept in. Uh, one was just not a big deal. The other one was actually a clue to a game. And it ruined, yeah. So it was because he messed up and he started over, and I deleted the first part, which was actually part you want to keep in so i had the opposite problem what's that like a major spoiler for like a new movie coming out inside the episode it was that um i forget the name of the movie avengers infinity War. yeah right yeah avengers yeah right oh god that would be done um but yeah i was a big comedian on a show and he just launched uh his first big primetime movie as a judd apatow movie and yeah, spoiled like one of the, his favorite moments. And what they were intentionally not putting it in the trailers for the for the show and everything. And it was it was out for twenty four hours. We caught it and then we put it back in. But that was yeah, that was but about the internet me. never forgets. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I had a question and now I've lost it, which is why editing is such a great thing. Um, yeah, I don't know where we where we headed next. I turned you, the table. You're asking me about how uh, pitfalls yeah, yeah, of working and, with clients, right? I mean. How had you have to resist the urge to go? That advice might not be the best thing you want to put out on a um, on a podcast. Or you know, again, because like I said, you're 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 dealing with friends and acquaintances and colleagues. Uh, how much editorial direction do you ever give them? I will ask them if I think there's something that's in- incorrect. But when it becomes something that it's my opinion against, there's obviously it has to stay. And I've had plenty of episodes where I've had to leave in. I've got one coming out, for, or not me, uh, my client has one coming out, and they're talking about credit scores and credit reports. There's some stuff that was misspoken, I guess you'd say, and then there's stuff in there that's just not completely factual. It's hard to explain unless you knew exactly what I was thinking, so I'm not going to go there, but this, I don't know how this is really going to help a lot of these people. Let's, let's move on to like, like specifics to the podcaster, and most of these people are doing it by themselves. They're the silos in their own room, so... Um, what kind of questions? I mean, we're showing you up here how we make money, but not from, well, you are making it from being the voice of a podcast. Yes. Okay. And that is something that you can relate to. But that's after 25 years as working as a, a freelancer. I'm sorry, not a freelancer. Let's get this, let's get this phrase over. Paylancer. This stuff is not free. Okay. Figure out what your time is worth to you. And that will be also 
where you start to decide when you're going to bring collaborators and editors and co-hosts and all that stuff on. Yes, it would be great that if we could all be our own best producers and distributors of content by ourselves, that would be great because the money's all going to come to us. And there are some people who can do that very, very well. Some people can't. I can't. I didn't podcast for years. This is I'm still new at this, but I've been a, I've been a writer and editor in this space for a long time because that's what I did well. Um, I work with other people's brands for, for good or ill. Um, but I also work alone. I work from home. Uh, so figure out what works for you in that, uh, in that instance, get and when you can get collaborators and they're going to be an, uh, an, an addition to your time as opposed to a hindrance to your time, do that. Uh, yeah, you got to split up the pie a little bit, but eventually you're going to get more work done and you're going to get more work period to get that bigger pie. And I think, um, we, in my world, I have to deal with a lot of deadlines, and some of the best advice I got recently, it was a, I was on a project that we're still working on right now. We're, we're doing a, I'm helping produce a cooking show. It's a podcast about where we match uh, a, a non, uh, non-chef with a professional chef, and the professional chef actually walks the non-chef through a meal over the phone. And uh, it's, it's great. It's funny. It's ridiculous. But um, we... May have made a mistake, and this was a good note that I got, and it was really good feedback of setting deadlines and maybe honestly thinking like keeping it more loose than you actually need because it's what it, just ask the question: What is the deadline for? Is it just for me? Is it is it for timing of a specific season? Is it timing to tag on to a specific show that's also launching in tandem with a colleague that you kind of want to ride the coattails on? Because if there's not really a need for a deadline, then like kind of stand back and give yourself a little bit of a break in on that, if that makes sense. Because the, the time at putting yourself under the pressure of a deadline can add sometimes you'll miss things. You'll get frantic. You know, I'm the same way. If I see a deadline, I'm just like, I got to get it done. I got to get it done. I got to get it done. But that's also sometimes when I've made the most mistakes as well in the editing process. So just don't be so when you're at home and, and you're getting ready to launch episode one, episode two, episode three, or a trailer or whatnot, just kind of, if you're doing it for yourself, just kind of give yourself a chill pill. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be cool. The, the, more, the more love you put into it and the, and the more you craft it, the better it'll come out. And uh, that is one thing that I, I wish we did on our show because we, we set the deadline just for the sake of setting a deadline. There was nothing, there was not, no real reason for the deadline. So that was, that was a really good piece of advice that I got recently. Always love the advice of either Frank Zappa or Douglas Adams, depending on who you're thinking the quotes come from. I love deadlines. I especially love the sound of them as they go whooshing by. Um, so yeah, but but that's that's another part of kind of realizing what your limitations are. Whether you're working for a brand or working by yourself, figure out what works best for you and then do it. Follow those things. Set those set those deadlines. Set those boundaries. Uh, figure out what is the work that works best for you? What's the workspace that works best for you? The collaborators that work best for you? Um, they will all contribute to putting out your best work. I also love the advice of the writer Aaron Sorkin that he's used several times in TV shows and movies. Um, if you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people. If you're smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. Um, and you're going to get better work that way. I don't agree. <laughs> He's a smart man. Since we're talking about uh, deadlines, you know, I think it'd be cool just to mention some tools that they would be able to use to help them. I know that a couple of my clients will use just just uh, Google Doc, like spreadsheet, yeah. to keep track of you know uh, guest name, date of interview, 
recorded, sent to editor, show notes, transcription, whatever it is that, and they can share the Google Docs so that I can actually see, you know, the stages that things are in in case they want to communicate that yeah, stuff. Yeah, we me. use, um, we go back and forth, and I try to keep it depending on what the client needs are, but we go back and forth. We do a Google Doc spreadsheet, and then we do Trello too. I love Trello. Um, it's been super, super helpful. That that's more Trello's more on the uh, inter like uh, on the team member side. So the producer, myself, and my engineer, just so that especially when we have a new project. Um, but with the Google Docs, actually, when I was working for, um, I did I used to do a lot of feral audio shows, and what we would do is we'd have a Google Doc. So the the producer of the show would dump the audio inside of a would link it inside of a Google Doc, and it'd say rough audio here. And then I'd go in, I'd put together the timeline, I'd mix it, I'd master it, and then I'd dump it back in, and then we just created a color coding service. So like, if it was red, it meant it was ready for me to pick up, and if it was green, it meant I had been there and I dropped it off. You know what I mean? And so that, that actually helped us out a lot. And then it also kept track of who was in charge of each episode. So Daniel from LA would be in charge of, would be the producer for Dumb People Town. I'd be the editor for it. And then for my favorite murder would be Steven from LA. And then I'd be in charge of mixing and mastering that. And so we'd be able to keep track that way. I think that, yeah. We're using Slack quite well. Oh yeah. Um, And a big Slack. Yeah. You know, um, uh, and again, these are the only clients that I work with that, that use Slack and it's great. We, we, I, cause I know exactly when I go into Slack, I'm dealing with something with Clark and Chuck. So, uh, I know, I know what I'm getting into that I need to devote some time to it. Um, but yeah, you know, and then just kind of your own personal tools. If you are a great note taker, then Evernote is fantastic or Google docs or an Apple notes or whatever, uh, you know, works well for your workflow. And then again, when you find those collaborators that you want to work with, Figure out where those places the, the Venn diagram crosses, and and kind of adopt the best practices for that. It's going to save you a lot of time and effort. And also, like a file structure that works for you too. That's what I found is very naming very important. Very file very, file yeah. naming starting like I found that just starting with the date, uh, the year followed by the date. But especially if you get to the point where you're going to hire an editor, nothing will save you more time and honestly money than if you have your files organized in a process that you can also. Uh, use a language to relate to them your file structure it can be anything the fact that you have something that is organized that i'm gonna go this is awesome like i'm already gonna be like great this is gonna take honestly i i spend probably as much time not not that maybe like 20 percent of the time organizing files as i do actually editing before i even dive into this show if if somebody sends me a batch of files that are just a mess and they're just like, oh, and I got this one left. Oh, and I got this one left. Oh, I'll get you the, you know, like you're just like, okay, like everything all at once and just have your own system. The fact that you have a system will be so huge, so huge. Yeah. There's almost nothing more dispiriting than working on uh, pulling time codes off of a file that's two generations old. And there, your editor's working on something else, and you didn't get the memo or the right. And you're, oh well, I'm going to pull this from twenty four point two seven off. And then they, why are you doing pulling silence or the word no or something like that coming out when you want to pull a quote? So uh, yeah, make sure your team is is up to date with where you are in that moment. Yeah, you can refer back to previous versions of stuff, but uh, it's it's much better when you're all working on the same file. What do you use? Yeah. What do I use for? Or just organizing and, and whatnot. Is there something specific that you use since it's mostly? I'll tell you I'll tell you what I use and how I set up my clients because I think that might help you to understand how to keep your stuff organized as, as well, although you may not apply a lot of them to it. Uh, but I will have a client. We will 
obviously email. There's obviously email. Uh, but most of the time, we're just sharing things through Dropbox. Mm-hmm. We're communicating through email or Slack, something like that. Uh, the best use of folder structure I have found is have a folder which holds your normal every episode elements, uh, assets, whatever you want to call it. So it could be the music that you use, the same voiceover artist or whatever that you use, pre-read ads, whatever that stuff is, your show artwork if you want, um, even information about your RSS feed. You can keep that stuff all in there. That's nice and you can go to because you always know it's there and then you have a a folder for every episode. And name that folder whatever you want and inside that folder all those pieces for that episode go. Even if you're only working on one at a time, and you know, as soon as one's done, then you start the next one. You don't need the. It's just episode zero zero one, episodes whatever you want to call it, and throw that stuff in there. The audio files, the artwork. If you're going to make different artwork for each episode, show notes, transcriptions, whatever you're going to use, keep it organized like that. Um, Google owns me, so I use all kinds of Google Docs spreadsheets. And, of course, the wonder, wonderful stuff there is you can share. I get it shared to me from the clients. But uh, if you do eventually get to a point where you're like, i got to get my life back. I need to hire a VA to do my show notes or something like that. You're going to want to have it in some way where you both can communicate the same language. And I don't mean English. I mean Google Doc or something like that, whatever it is that you do. Or it's just emailing a, a Word doc back and forth. Um, you know the uh, the old gener- second generation old. You know that that's very important. Keep keep the newest one on top. Don't ever dig down to an older one and start working from there because whatever you made changes to from there are dead and and it's it's no fun going back to uh, try and find something that was you know deleted six six hours ago and you're like what you want that back what <laughs> that was the editor production panel from Podfected Nashville 2018. Steve Stewart, Lucas Hendrickson, and Anthony Luciano. For more information on Podfecta, including how to attend an event and how to organize an event in your area, go to podfecta.com. If you've got questions, you've got comments, just need more info, reach out to me directly. You can do that at bigpodcast.com. I've got a form you can fill out. The message goes directly to me. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you at a Podfecta event soon. I'll see you on the next episode.